joining us right now, though he's not a vigilante or a militia member, as I've been accused of being by my critics. Uh, he is not a volunteer. He hasn't been known for keeping the peace politically, as I have been uh, praised by my supporters. He is the former governor of the state of New York, uh, Patterson, who's in the house. How you doing, Curtis? Great. You brought my son over, Anthony. I, I brought your son over. We, uh, we both had uh, ophthalmologist appointments today. I think you knew how mine came out. But Anthony's vision is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you went for so, an ophthalmologist. We, we both went to the ophthalmologist today. And, uh, you know, they said the same three words they always say to me. You are blind. Like, Get out of here. We can't do anything for you. Now, uh. What was your take on the Rittenhouse jury decision there in Kenosha, Wisconsin? Well, you know, Alan Dershowitz uh, uh, wrote a tweet yesterday that was read uh, by John Katzmatidis and Lydia on the Cats at Night roundtable. And he said, if you watched the whole trial, you would not be surprised by the verdict. And so what I tried to do last night was to really look into what was going on. And I have to say this, even on CNN... They seem to really recognize that uh, it was hard to say that this kid started anything when there were so many other people who were armed and were kind of uh, yelling at each other and threatening each other and that kind of thing. And considering his age as opposed to the others that were involved and the actual actions where the, the, you know, the guy tried to hit him with the skateboard, the other guy tried to kick him, that kind of thing, it probably to the jury, met the requirement for self-defense, which is that you're trying to retreat. You are not trying to get into a fight with anyone, but you're forced into one. And so, you know, last year we had a, uh, a uh, trial involving George Floyd. And I was very pleased that a great number of people who normally don't come down on the side of the victim in the, in the uh, case recognize that the George Floyd murder was an actual murder. I think that also calls for people who are willing to be objective. Looking at this case, I can really see why the jury came to this verdict. I, I can understand it. it it's, it's murky. There's a lot going on. But I see how they came to this verdict. Well, take me through this scenario. Kenosha, a city the size of 150,000, it's had better days. It used to be a automobile capital of America, second only to Detroit. I'll talk about that tomorrow night at 8 o'clock when I'm um, back on on Sunday night. But let's compare it to uh, Rochester. When you were governor, Rochester has about 200,000 people now. It's had better days. It's had 75 homicides 316 shootings this year alone. Unbelievable. They've called all kinds of public safety emergencies. They've had rioting and looting there from time to time. Just imagine when you were governor, if uh, perchance there had been a similar situation in a city like Rochester, what would have triggered you to send in the National Guard? Because in my belief in Kenosha, the guard and the state troopers were sent in way too late when the situation had gotten well out of control. I think as soon as you start to even think that a situation is going to be out of control, you've got to send uh, police in. And you can't be critical of what did or didn't happen on January 6th and, uh, and then object to the fact that people are 
rolling their eyes at the fact that a larger law enforcement contingent, sheriff's deputies, National Guard, anyone that could quell a situation like that. Usually you have a situation that gets out of hand because no one's stopping it. When the uh, uniform people are there and they've let it be known that they're not going to let it start, most situations are basically the, the, the harm is abated by that. Now, we've always been told, we saw in the case of George Floyd, the, the slowness of the governor in Minnesota to send in the National Guard, especially after they burnt down that precinct in the South Minneapolis district. Uh, and in Kenosha and in other places where they had similar uh, types of violence. How long does it take to actually get the National Guard on scene? Since these are men and women who are just in the private sector, you know, they're raising their families. How generally much time do you need to mobilize them in order to get them into an affected area? We thought that if we needed the National Guard, it was going to take two or three hours. First, you have to get them, you know, back. They're, They're not sitting there waiting to be called. They're not like the police, who you can call them and they come. Uh, but it takes time for them to get to their post. Then you have to transport them to where the uh, violence and the derision is. And it's, uh, it can be two to three hours. So that's the reason why even if you sense something's going wrong, you start then. Because better a National Guard that comes in and there are no fatalities and, uh, and it reduces the fighting than to have a situation that exploded such as that one did, and I do not equate law enforcement with abridging people's rights to protest. People should be allowed to protest, but they can't go over the line and start destroying property or destroying each other, which has happened too many times, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised, uh, and I'm glad to see that uh, finally uh, more Democrats are getting that you have to stop the violence. I mean, we're always saying stop the violence, but you have to stop it in all situations. Well, you know, uh, this comes down also to the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, when you can use arms, when you shouldn't be using arms. But when you were governor of New York State, this state is bifurcated really into like two separate sections, Uh, uh, mid-Hudson and down as you go to New York City, which is not a big gun culture, and then you go up north, And, I mean, it might as well be like the areas around Kenosha where people have rifles, they go hunting, and they have guns. uh, They use guns on a regular basis. Uh, How do you separate both of those parts of New York State? Curtis, it's so hard. I'll tell you something. In 2008, a few months after I was governor, I was having a fundraiser, and I know you're going to just, just enjoy that I had a fundraiser in the Hamptons. And at this fundraiser, a woman came up to me and she said, I came to this fundraiser, but I really came here to tell you that I can't believe that you signed a bill for rifle training for 14-year-olds. And she said, I have a 14-year-old son. I would never let him have a gun. Well, at the time, I had a 14-year-old son, too. And I said to her, I wouldn't let him hold a gun. But in upstate New York, there are guns all around. They're everywhere. And the fact that they want to train the people so that if they ever use a gun or have to use a gun, that they will have learned that from an early age. I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is when people run around with guns and they have no training and uh, they fire them uh, indiscriminately based on some situation. Well, this woman was just too through with me. And I said to her, if you grew up 
in those areas where they're asking for this training, you would have allowed it yourself. And she just could not get that through her head. And I think that um, in, in, in spite of the fact that I'm very much in favor of, of getting rid of as many guns uh, that are illegal in a particular place, you just find that the people who register, the people who go through the procedures, the people who even ask for the training are going to abide by the rules far more than, than those who have illegal weapons. And so, therefore, uh, I was just always kind of surprised that I could never seem to get the people from New York City or Westchester, you know, north anywhere north of Rockland County to understand it's a different culture, and at times we have to respect the differences in culture. Well, see, it's amazing because if you go upstate there, and I've spent a lot of time up there between Albany and Buffalo and up near Plattsburgh, you go through all those very rural areas where sometimes it takes you a month of Sundays to come upon anyone in, in civilization that's living there because it's, it's so barren. You find there are kids there with guns. They're driving cars at an early age. They can't smoke or drink legally. But they can carry guns and they can drive at a young age. And how do you tell them in the culture that they live in that they shouldn't be doing that? Yeah, especially when everyone else is. So, and that's what we have to understand. Our problems with uh, inopportune violence are not coming from those people who register or who teach their children how to use weapons. They're coming from criminals. And, uh, you know, the facts just just bear that out. Uh you know, Curtis, I would love to sit here and talk to you all afternoon, but I have to tell you, I've lost the feeling in my left foot. What? My right hand is frostbitten. <laughs> I, I, the temperature in the studio reminds me, remember when Batman, they had Mr. Freeze? Yes. And he turned it on and it was like minus 30 degrees or something. I don't know how you can sit in here. Well, that's because, as many people have said, you know, Curtis... You've got ice running through your veins. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you loose here, Governor you, David Patterson. You must really have, Curtis. But congratulations. I thought you ran a, a, a good campaign. Uh, you were a victim of what we Democrats in Long Island and Nassau County, where I grew up, was we were out-registered 9 to 1. We made all these great <laughs> points, and then we lost every election. Yeah, but wait a <laughs> second. You were a fair-weathered friend. You could have broke ranks. I've known you for years. And who did you publicly endorse? Eric Adams, my opponent. Well, I, I just hope that uh, uh, my uh, choice appreciated your support for him last week in the Black Lives Matter feud. Yeah, well, I hope so. Uh, but you know you know how politics I'll, is. I'll check it out. How you. quickly people can forget. But you could have led Democrats for Sliwa. Governor Patterson, you could have been the capo di tutti well, of Democrats a, for Sliwa. There's a governor's Sliwa. race next year, Curtis. Uh, why don't you try it again, uh, and we'll talk. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Wow, sorry. stirring up the pot here. Well, thank you, Governor David thank Patterson. You. Thanks for bringing my son, Anthony, who is also an intern here.